Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Whether it's on your couch, like we'll be watching this Sunday, or at Paul Brown Stadium, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals lose another road game under Zach Taylor. I'm Jake Lisko. I'll be joined by my co-host James Rapine for segments two and three of the show, as we always do on game days. Another meltdown for the Bengals in the second half of a road game under Zach Taylor after things were within reach. Before the half, going into the half, after the half, and then after the half, the team just did absolutely nothing with their final possessions. I will take you through the game as it happened to start the show, and then James will join me and we'll do our normal Sunday discussion, which at this point seems to focus on the future of Zach Taylor and this football team. Let's get started with what happened on Sunday. It was another road loss for Zach Taylor's Bengals. This one, not of the one score variety as we've gotten so used to. Unfortunately, under Taylor's tenure in Cincinnati, but instead it was a game where we've seen this story happen a few times this year. The Bengals have a lead early. They give up points going into the half. They give up points coming out of the half and then do absolutely nothing the rest of the way. And the game is just over. The Bengals at the time when the game was 16 to 7 were very unlikely to win the game. Observers like myself from the eye test could tell you that this team, the way they were playing today, were unlikely to score 16 points to even get it to a tie game from that point. And win probability models already at that point had the Dolphins at something like 95% to win the game as the Bengals just weren't moving the ball. And with Brandon Allen at quarterback, he got hurt, by the way. Ryan Finley came in for him. Things just weren't working for the Bengals offense. But early in the game, The Bengals did have some chances. They got a quick bursty touchdown, a a big play touchdown from Tyler Boyd, who took a wide receiver screen around tight end Drew Sample's block for a 72-yard touchdown on a third and two play that was really designed to just pick up those two yards they were missing. Miami answered with a 10-play 68-yard field goal drive. Then the Bengals ended up punting the ball. The Dolphins ended up punting the ball back to the Bengals after that. At this point in the game, 7-3. There are six minutes, seven minutes left in the first half, and the Bengals go on an 11-play, 53-yard drive aided by some penalties. They had some runs working. They had some passes working with receivers doing well after the catch to pick up yards, and they end up getting into the red zone, at which point the Bengals run a trick play, a little pitch back to Tyler Boyd that ends up targeting Brandon Allen as a receiver on the play goes incomplete as Boyd is pressured and he's falling away can't get enough on the pass then on the very next play the Bengals run it for not a whole lot of yards and on third and long uh, pass flutters to Tyler Boyd on the sideline falls incomplete Brandon Allen again pressured on the play but there's a scuffle out of bounds as Tyler Boyd gets hit late and pushes back against Xavier Howard and another Miami Dolphins defender. It ends up being that 
Boyd and Xavier Howard, two of the best players on their respective units, get tossed from the game for throwing punches. But of the two punches, only Tyler Boyd is actually penalized. That means that the Bengals lose their 15 yards and the field goal goes back to be a 53-yard attempt, which predictably Randy Bullock missed wide left. The Dolphins then get the ball very close to midfield with about a minute left and quickly go 27 yards in six plays and get a field goal going into halftime, 7-6. Miami gets the ball coming out of halftime, eight plays, 75 yards, very easy for the Dolphins. They go up 13-7 at this point, their first touchdown of the game, their first really impressive drive. The Bengals go three and out. The Dolphins get the ball back, go 10 plays, 70 yards, kick a field goal, 16-7. to The game is effectively over at this point. The Bengals' next drive, three plays, minus 10 yards. Another field goal for Miami, another negative drive for Cincinnati, another punt for Miami this time as the game, at this point, pretty out of hand, actually both in terms of what's happening on the field and just the general uh, scuffles between the teams at this point. But just to give you an idea of what happens the rest of the way, the Bengals go seven plays, three yards, punt. They get a actually really good play from Jesse Bates, punching the ball out for Miles Gaskin that Von Bell scoops up and takes back to midfield. But the game really with about four minutes left at that point is already over anyway. And the Bengals offensive hopes end when Ryan Finley, who's in at this point for an injured Brandon Allen, forces a ball in that's not on target to Alex Erickson. It gets batted up in the air. The Dolphins intercept it. They take some knees, run some plays. Game ends 1917. So along the way, you have a disastrous second half. You have an injury to Brandon Allen. It's a chest injury. And you also lose Jonah Williams, who had his knee rolled up. He grabbed at his right knee, I believe. It was not a very pretty play for anyone involved. There was a sack on the play, too. And Jonah Williams was immediately rolled out. He was carted off the field. And unfortunately, head coach Zach Taylor did not have an update on Jonah Williams' injury after the game. So... We'll just have to wait and see what his health looks like going forward and hope it's nothing too serious. Coming up next, I'm joined by James Rapine to talk about the implications of this loss, a very ugly game in many, many ways, and we'll get into the fallout. That's next. If you're working from home like me, maybe you're recording a podcast too, you've got a lot going on, plenty on your to-do list, but you can have one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. They've got everything that you might possibly want in your area, Chinese, pizza, you want a burrito from Chipotle, they've got what you need. Not only that, you can support those local restaurants in your community safely. A lot of them are on DoorDash. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery right now that need your patronage. It's really easy to order. You just open the app, you choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery. That's a drop-off setting that you can choose. There are over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia can support your local go-tos or pick from your national favorites. They've got whatever you want for dinner. Go check it out. Our listeners can get $5 off as well. Zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. It's that time of Sunday, folks. We welcome James Rapine into the podcast. James, just fresh off of those post-game press conferences, smiling at me. Very happy with what he saw, no doubt, 
James, welcome to the show. Glad <laughs> to have you here. How about that football team, huh? I mean, oh my God, I've I've covered a lot of football games, Jake, and uh, man, I don't even know where to begin. Like there were so many things going on in in like. Is is the storyline Jonah Williams' injury, which is clearly long-term the, the story? Or is it this brawl? Or is it Tyler Boyd getting ejected, but maybe he shouldn't have gotten ejected? Or is it Mike Thomas arriving too early? You know, so many things. Brian Flores yelling across the sideline and looking like he's going to rip Zach Taylor's head off. Like, I, I just there, – there's so many things. And yet at the end of the day now, what I actually see – is a 2-9-1 football team, a coach that hasn't won on the road in 15 tries. And uh, that's that's my my big takeaway here is, man, they're up 7-6 to six at halftime, and it completely unravels. Not that I thought they were going to win the game at that point, especially without Boyd, but, Lord, you would have liked to see a better effort. And, and, and I don't mean their physical effort, but just a, a better showing. And it just wasn't there. I mean, I think – Jake, when did you think the game was over? Because I knew on the very first drive after halftime, I was like, this is it. It's done. It's over. I knew, I knew it was certainly over, like 100% over at 16 to 7, but it was pretty much over at 13 to 7. But like once it's 16 to 7, it's like, okay, they're not going to score two more times. There's no way. They might score one more time, maybe. And, and you almost get it. Like maybe Von Bell, I don't know, gets a couple more blocks and, and maybe they score one more time. Or maybe Jesse Bates comes down with that interception that goes through his hands. And maybe they score, you know, uh, one more time. Higgins. Maybe they... Even Higgins, when he launched himself up in the air, maybe, yeah. you know, there isn't a defender there. You know, and, and that that's the thing is this team needs that to, yeah. to win a game like, like this against a Dolphins team that isn't that impressive to me. Like, I don't think they're that good. And I think they would have been better. I was telling you off air. They would have been better with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a quarterback. And uh, I talked to a couple people that cover the team over the past couple of days that said that, like, why are they forcing the, the Tua Tungavailoa thing if he isn't 100 percent? And I, I didn't see anything that, that was too impressive, but from him, uh, that is. But, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what they are now, which I think we said it last week. This is last year. That's it's what it worse. is. And in, 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 well, it's worse because it's a year later and it should never have gotten to like yeah. last year was supposed to be. All right. Well. The training wheels are on and, you know, at some point you're, you're going to have to evolve into the next phase. And it felt like they were there. But really, it was Joe Burrow was hiding all of these issues and now they're there. And and so now every injury, you don't think Joe Burrow could overcome not having Tyler Boyd in the second half? Like, of course he could. But th- that that one thing, it's over. The offense now minus four yards in the third quarter. They have no one that can get open. Um, and that's it, it, just how it goes. So. Zach's in a tough spot because that record is just uh, – it appears like it's just going to keep getting worse, and it's 423-1 after Sunday's loss. Well, and it's not just a record. It's how they've gotten there this game and, and some of the others just squandering winnable games. I mean, there's a storyline that could have happened in this game. It obviously didn't where the trick play to Brandon Allen works. It gets blocked up, and, and Tyler Boyd's able to step into the throw and, and lead Brandon Allen down the sideline, and he might score a touchdown. It's a, it's a pretty good play call. This is what we talked about. They need to, you know, call these trick plays, scheme up some havoc, get get some, you know, turnovers. And they almost had a couple. And the, instead, you know, Tyler Boyd's throwing off his back foot. Brandon Allen can't adjust. Obviously, he's not a wide receiver and goes incomplete. The next play is a second and 10 run that goes for nothing. And 
Then you get the Tyler Boyd ejection, the 15-yard penalty, and should have been offsetting penalties, obviously. I, 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 that's just mind-boggling to me that it wasn't. If anything, it should have been offsetting when you know Tyler Boyd's the guy taking the late hits, and then somehow he's the only one that gets penalized for retaliating, and then there's a punch after Boyd. I mean, it's just an insane situation in the first place, and then mm. he gets tossed. And then Randy Bullock misses a field goal. The most predictable, by the way, missed field goal of all time, I think, after the penalty pushes him back. And then also extremely predictable is the Dolphins, with a minute left, getting some points before they get the ball back after halftime after that. Oh, you knew. You knew the moment that field goal was missed. Like, all right, they're getting three here. Make sure Gasecki doesn't break one, you know, for seven, because that, that was almost the concern. And that's the thing, man, is uh, – I, I've said it kind of um, with a couple of these losses, like, oh, I know this is when the game's over. And there's just something wrong with that because we shouldn't know that. And, and it, it was it was really even before the, the Burrow injury at times, you knew that certain thing that, that it was just going to unfold a certain way. Um, and, and that is I don't really know how to fix it I, I, other than just completely rebuilding. And at, at some point, that's. Uh, you, you know, from a coaching staff standpoint, and, and at some point that's got to be considered in, I guess my big takeaway as we talk through this, it was so ugly, but that was such a poor showing specifically in the second half, Jake. I think the Bengals front office is going to talk after this one. Like I, I, I get it. They're extremely patient and all of the injuries and all, I think they are also realistic <laughs> and, and they're going to understand um, that that his his chances of being back next year took a hit on Sunday. Whether that's fair or not, whatever. I think it is fair, but but I think that that's that's a discussion they absolutely have to have. Um, and, and I thought that before the game, but but I think they might have that now, um, unless things change moving forward. But I, I think they might be having that conversation on Monday. Not that they're going to move on from him, but like, are we sure this is working? Because it, it doesn't look like it's working, right? Like there's no there's no sign of of life. There's no Anything, because you're right. The trick play is something I was calling for, and thank God they used Tyler Boyd, and and he threw it up in Pittsburgh, like stuff like that. That's great, but you got to be able to execute it, and it's not fair to always put that on the coach. But at some point, you have to put it on the coach. And, and right now, I think the margin of error is so thin that it's it's borderline unfair to ask Zach to to go out there and beat the Dolphins. But I think he should like they're two nine and one. Like that's. I think it's also fair to expect them to, or not expect, but ask him to win a game and win a road game. Are they beating Houston on the road, by the way? Because if not, you're talking about a coach that hasn't won a game on the road in two two years. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say that anything positive is coming out of this season at this point. It, to me, things just keep getting worse week after week. It's either the same or it's worse, and and it's worse in different ways. So this week, what's the same is there's a lead early in the game going into halftime or, or just before halftime, maybe there's a way for them to easily get into or take control of or win the game. But instead, you know, their second successful drive of the first half goes back to, to the missed 53 yard Randy Bullock field goal attempt. And, and then things just kind of come apart from there because the dolphins in the first half are giving you presents. They were playing incredibly undisciplined football giving you unnecessary roughness penalties, giving you offsides penalties. And, and then in the second half, the, the Bengals, I mean, not, not so much the penalties, but just do nothing. 
and the Dolphins start playing a little bit better in the talent differential as it always does over time or usually does over time in these games shows up and the Dolphins take over. But instead, if the Bengals go to like 14 to three, then you make the Dolphins job a lot harder. Can't make it easy for the other team. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and it's it, just and that, too much of just wilting in the second half as soon as as soon as the opposition counterpunches. And that's the thing is like the pressure was on the Dolphins to counterpunch. Like th- this is a game they had like really needed to win because th- there are a lot of teams in that AFC playoff one. And if you drop a game to the Bengals and so if you would have been able to kick that field goal before the half and then not given up the score and you're up 10-3 or you don't just let them march right downfield because if it's up tempo uh, to start the second half. And, and that's the other thing, too, is once they score and it's 13-7, to the offense has to do something there. It can't go three and out. And, and I, I think that's the thing, because once that happens, it snowballs and it's over. And they did. And that's the the thing that they, they're going to fight the remainder of the year. Because we saw this last year. This team isn't going to just roll over. They're going to give effort. And I think there's a, a fine line between Zach keeping the guys bought in and the guys doing that on their own. Because guess what? They're competitive as hell, too. Right? You know, I mean, if, if you're competitive, you're going to want to go out there and win and uh, show the rest of the league that you deserve to play wherever next year. A lot of these guys, who knows where they're going to be. And so that's that's the other part of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there aren't many two there aren't too many long-term takeaways I think from this game other than one injuries, which I, I think we could talk about in a bit. And then two, the the fact that you're still employing this guy. And at some point you want to see some kind of signs. And it's, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know if it, it matters who the quarterback is because the, the second half failures, we've seen those. We, we saw those with Burrow against Indianapolis, right? It's not Burrow's fault necessarily. I'm not saying that it, it, it's a pattern that we're seeing. And I don't think it's necessarily one person's fault, but uh, clearly Zach Taylor hasn't been able to fix it. Yeah, it's a it's a team wide failure, and and he's ultimately responsible for the whole team. If you want to talk about the quarterbacks being bad, well, I mean they worked with Duke Tobin to to trade up and draft Ryan Finley, and as you said, James, you know they could have had Joe Flacco. I think he said it off air to me earlier in, in the week last week. They could have gone out and gotten a a journeyman veteran who has some starting experience, but they got Brandon Allen and Jake Dolagala, and that was their quarterback competition in in training camp. And then they lost Joe Burrow, and and now you're in a situation where you've won two games this year, you haven't won a road game, and and you and I are both saying, hey, win some games. Show me that things just aren't going to fall over at the soonest sign of resistance. Don't be, don't tell me in your post game presser that you're proud of your team's effort when you have like one drive that doesn't have negative yards in the half mm-hmm. and, it, and, and it, it, well, well, do something. Is, their is lone score. Saying. Sorry to cut you off. Sorry. Their lone score was gifted because the dolphins were undisciplined. Like imagine if Tyler Boyd gets tackled for a three yard gain there. What, what, what conversation are we having? And I know, well, it did happen. Well, that was a Dolphins issue. That wasn't like the Bengals forced them into that, and it was a good block by Drew Sample. But come on, the rookie took a uh, the rookie safety took a, a bad angle there, and Tyler Boyd took advantage. And so did so did Byron Jones. Hey, uh, that's why you draft Drew Sample in the second round, by the way, just for that beautiful block. Coming up next, James, let's do a good, bad, and ugly. We've ripped on Zach Taylor. That's certainly something that uh, I mean, the whole game was ugly. There were a few glimmers of good. 
And uh, there's some things that maybe weren't quite ugly and were just bad. We'll get into that coming up next. The best way to recover from a Bengals loss is with Built Bar because Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. You hear us talk about them all the time here on Locked on Bengals. They have 18 amazing flavors. My go-to is the mint brownie, but they have anything you could imagine from cookies and cream to cherry barcia, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter. So whatever your taste buds desire, Built Bar has got it. And the best part, it isn't their amazing taste because they taste amazing and they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's the fact that they fit your macros. You're working on that summer body right now as we approach Christmas. You don't want to add extra holiday weight. Well, mix in a Built Bar as a snack. They're awesome. High in protein, low in sugar, perfect for you. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. James, let's wrap up this week with a quick good, bad, and ugly for the Bengals. Let's start with a couple of high notes. Jesse Bates, I thought, played another pretty damn good game. He got beat by Mike Gusecki a couple times, or maybe once, really, the great one-handed catch from the Miami tight end. Another play, he was kind of in zone, and Gusecki caught a ball in front of him. But, I mean, he's all over the place, making some nice plays in the run game, nearly had an interception, had the great punch-out force fumble on the Miles Gaskin play. Jesse Bates continues to be the rock of this defense. I thought Von Bell actually had a pretty decent game as well, particularly in run support. And uh, William Jackson on defense, staying in the secondary, had a pretty nice game as well. Oh, and last thing I'll mention, Sam Hubbard turned it up a little bit today. He's had a rough season, but he was out there today. He made some made some plays with some some high effort kind of kind of plays. Oh my God! Will you just praise Sam Hubbard and not be? Yeah, he he played well. He played well. That's that's the best Jake can do to praise Sam Hubbard. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, there weren't like great no, momentum. No. Like he he had some nice high effort plays in the run game. He, he you know he he, he almost had a sack. Loa once. Yeah, they. I mean, they didn't sack him, right? I mean, and that's that's the one thing. If you knock this defense for today, outside of Lashawn Sims, hey, we're on the are, good. Those are, those are the two gripes that right. We're on, they, we're on the good, James. I know, no, but but I'm just saying. But as as far as Jesse Bates goes, he's stud, man. I mean, he's he's everything you look for, and and he tackled well today. You're right, he poked out the ball, and I think some of those things that Von Bell brings, that they've really grown together, and they they've they've bonded over the past five months or so. Um, I, I would say six months ever since Bell was signed, and and I think. That helps, like the the fumble, the forced fumble, the tackling, stuff like that. That stuff Bell can help with, the mindset, and, and then obviously Bates and coverage. I mean, look, Gasecki is a stud. In, in the one-handed stuff, you accept those. Uh, and he's just, you know, 13 tackles. That's a career high for Jesse Bates. Pro Bowl, all pro, get him in. He, he deserves to be in. He, he's uh, Right now, he's the best safety in the league. And, and I don't know if he is, but this year he is. That's how he's playing. And it's a damn shame that it's uh, it's getting lost. And you're right about Jackson. I thought he he was really great against Parker, won that one-on-one matchup, which is what you need him to do. Parker only had four receptions for 35 yards. You take that all day long. Yeah, and the, the two penalties called on Jackson, one of them probably fair. The other one I would generously call highly suspect or questionable. 
I thought it was a good jam, and I thought that William Jackson should have had the interception. And maybe that changes the game. And before we get into the ugly, because I'm not sure if there's anything in this game that was simply bad and wasn't ugly, but the, the one last note of good and the really only positive note for this Bengals offense is T. Higgins, who continues to, as a 21-year-old rookie, be a pretty solid wide receiver. He had five catches on seven targets for 56 yards, and he, he almost hurdled a defender. That was fun. Tyler Boyd also, uh, we talked about that touchdown play between him and Drew Sample. You got to shout that out, but not much else positive to speak of on the offense. The offensive line, again, quite porous. The Bengals quarterback sacked six times. Uh, not great. So let's get into the ugly then, because th- that, that's the way that, we, that we're trending at the end of that. Uh, number one, James, I would say the officiating. Quite bad. Uh, not necessarily only in the, the Dolphins' favor, but generally the officials did not have control of the game. Brian Flores, three-quarters of the way across the field, yelling at someone on the Bengals' sideline. Devontae Parker punching a coach in the face. I mean, come on. The, the refs let this one get out of hand, and it just got very ugly. I think that's ugly number one for me. And it took them 37,000 minutes to, to navigate through everything. Oh, yeah. And that, that's that's the other part. You know, I mean, it looked like a benches-clearing brawl that you see on a baseball field. But it's not a baseball field. And that that rarely happens, if ever. And it shouldn't happen. And um, you you could tell Zach Taylor was, offici- uh, was uh, frustrated with the officiating after the game. He was kind of limited on what he could say. And he caught himself a couple times because he didn't want to get fined, naturally. At the same time. I get the frustration. I do. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Boyd got ejected. I thought that was weird in and of itself. Um, I thought there should have been a penalty called from the the moment he was pushed. And and then it goes from there. And then, look, Thomas got there too soon. I don't think he was trying to hurt Grant. Got there too soon. And he he needs to be aware. But does that – should that result in a benches clearing type thing – I think that's a bit much, and, and the fact that you're, you're talking about three players got ejected, two in, on Miami side, one on Cincinnati side. Like, if I'm Sean Williams and this whole bunch of dudes is running up at us, yeah, I'm going to be a little defensive and maybe offensive in swing, you know, because in those skirmishes, you don't want to swing second. You want to swing first. That, that's what I've I've learned of watching sports over the years, and that's uh, that's what he did. I think the worst part about it is that Brian Flores is leading his team across the field. I mean, you think of the head coaches and out there, the bench is, is, is going to, I mean, the bench is following their coach and, and some of the players are going out there to try to pull Flores back. You need a player to pull back your head coach. I and, mean, and he did on. say after the game and he did say after the game that he, he shouldn't have lost this cool and, and that he was, you know, basically apologized for, it. but yeah, I agree. Oh, at the, on the flip side though, there are going to be some listening, whether it's fair or not that say, why well, I like that type of passion, and I like that he's willing to stick up for his guys, and I like that he's willing to to do that. And well, then, he's going to get fined a lot for doing it. Then they also like Joey Porter going out onto the field in 2015. That's all I'm going to say. That's the same thing. If you like Joey Porter being on the field in 2015, you like Brian Flores being on the field in this game. That's the same behavior from coaches, and, and the coaches just need to stay on their damn sidelines until after the game. Other ugly things in this one, James, the offensive line I talked about, generally very bad, but but the worst thing about this game that's really been lost in the shuffle of this 
scrappiness narrative or, or, or scuffle narrative is Jonah Williams looks like he suffered a potentially severe injury. We do not know the extent of that injury. Talked about it a little bit in the open. All we know is knee injury. Zach Taylor did not elaborate after the game. So that is a very unfortunate one for the Bengals. And did Mackenzie Alexander come back? He was being evaluated for a concussion at one point. I'm not sure if he came back in or not. I don't think so. I don't remember seeing him back on the field. And he already had one concussion earlier in the year. So that that's something that we'll have to watch here moving forward. Because if he did suffer a concussion, who knows if he'll be able to be back next week for their matchup against Dallas. But obviously the big injury is Jonah Williams. And how is he – anytime you're carted off the field, it's scary. Right knee injury – like he's, he's made 10 starts and, and you wanted him to, to start all of the games this year if you could and, and really get as much experience as possible. And I thought these final five games were crucial to his development and, and kind of being that anchor on the offensive line that they drafted him to be. And if this is a serious knee injury, what a huge, huge setback it would be in that process. First round picks in the Bengals, man, just a cursed thing. It seems just a lot of early career injuries for those guys really going back the last nearly decade at this point, it feels like Uh, the one last note, I guess we're going to end on another downer the the bad. And I guess, you know, just, just turn the podcast off if you've had enough and and you don't want to hear the bad. I mean, AJ green, again, one target body language, frustrated a couple of times in this game, they just can't get him involved. And it's just really uh, sad. Maybe it's more sad than bad to see it look like it's going to end up this way in Cincinnati for him. Yeah, it stinks. And, and, and it, honestly, I don't think, I don't think it is just him. I don't think the coaching staff really knows how to use him or how to get him the ball or tries or I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but obviously back-to-back games with no receptions for AJ green, that's unheard of. And it's uh it is, it's sad. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll end on one happy note here. I agree with you that it's sad, but one last positive <laughs> note, Stanley Morgan as a punk gunner, still a absolute pleasure to watch. That's going to do it for this episode of the lockdown Bengals podcast. We will be back tomorrow. It's mock draft Monday. Again, we'll find a new angle for it. We'll take it in a new direction until then Bengals fans have a good one.